My brother in the Lord, Stefan, on Thursday had sent me a just a video. It's about 33 minutes long, and he said, just watch the first eight minutes. And I just want to tell you, folks, God knows your need. He is the great physician, and he knows what to prescribe and give you at the right time. And I was actually at a, an attempted appointment with Angie in Aberdeen, and, and he sent it. And Angie had stepped inside of a, a place, and I, uh, I just started listening to it, and... I'll just tell you what it is. It was it was an interview with a Christian musician who was just really being uh, honest and transparent about being raised. And of all things, he talked about as a child how he had gotten saved when his parents went to a camp meeting like conference, and he and his brother were dropped off at the children's building and he got saved when a man with a puppet gave an altar call and he was only seven years old and it changed his life and later on he would get an opportunity to do that and I know that this really doesn't resonate with probably anybody but I just know all the work that we're doing, trying to get the upstairs completed, and I haven't had a lot of questions this week, but I've just had a lot of waiting times on God, and I still have those times. God, I really was hoping the first of this week that I would be in heaven with you. I was really hoping that the trumpet would sound, have sounded, and um, we would be celebrating. But only God knows when that perfect time is. And I, I, I watched the video two different times, and all I could do was just cry. And I know Stefan has no idea. I haven't even talked to him since then, but I just told him it was a blessing. And... My point to you without starting to ramble is that it doesn't matter what you are dealing with in this world. God never leaves. He never forsakes. He knows you're his baby, okay? You're his child. He knows what to give you. And he knows when to give it to you. He knows your feeding schedule. He knows when it's time for your checkup at the doctor. And he also knows when you need medicine that comes from his cabinet. Anybody else besides me thankful for that medicine cabinet called God's Word? Hallelujah. I really am. And so anyway, by Thursday, I really thought that I was going to preach, you know, something else. And during that video, there was one word that this man said that a, a man had told him about getting back involved in ministry when he was in college. And believe it or not, it, it was the word reentry. When I heard it, the Holy Ghost just said, stop right there and listen to that word. I want to talk to you about that. And so I listened to the context of the way he was talking about it. And the Lord just began to deal with me the rest of the day, Thursday, Friday, yesterday about that. And I couldn't get away from it. In fact, we have a definition of what the word reentry means. And a lot of you are very familiar with it. It just means the act or action of re-entering the return of a missile or a spacecraft in the atmosphere 
in the act of rejoining as a participant or member. And I don't know if you know of anybody that's ever been incarcerated or not, but there's a reentry council here in Scotland County. There's all kind of reentry ministries when we're talking about individuals leaving incarceration. And so these individuals will take their belongings and their things, and whether they've been rehabilitated or not, they reenter back into society. And the good news for them is they get to, they kind of get to start all over again. But in a lot of cases, they pick up from where they left off at. But nevertheless, they get to, to reenter. Maybe if, if they've been incarcerated, they get to reenter and they've had a chance to take advantage of a, of a positive skill or education or just a, a, a new determination to do something. And so there, there's that option there. When they walk out of confinement, the area, the place, the location that has identified who they have been, they, they get to re-enter a community, a family, a society. And then you have another kind of re-entry. Maybe it's based kind of on the same principle. And a lot of you have seen actual footage of when a, the space shuttle, or rocket, or space shuttle rather, when it re-enters, out of orbit, back into the Earth's atmosphere, it, it has a, a GPS, a defined landing strip, where it's going to go. Many times, uh, it is said, and I, I, I think there's even footage of when it leaves uh, orbit and it comes back into this atmosphere, it's almost on fire. That's part of the process. It's burning. And this word reentry, when I heard, by the way, I don't, I, don't, I don't mind telling you, I'll even share the video. I hadn't watched it, but it was David Crowder. I learned a side of him in a, a part of ministry. I mean, I, I, he's not on my playlist, but a lot of times your talk says a lot more than your song does. And then sometimes your song says more than your talk does. And I heard him talk about a college friend telling him, this might be a good time, this college band, this, to, to lead the worship in this college church we're starting. This might be a good place for you to reenter. Well, everybody here, probably whether it's in that label or that, that frame or not, you, you've, you've got somewhat of a reentry story of your own. Might be in a relationship with somebody, or might be in a relationship with the Lord, or it might be in a job or or school or, or just something, a hobby even. It can be a hobby that you had and you used to be involved in it and you find yourself being busy but but now you're you're back in it or or maybe you re enter the family scene again. Well, the Lord led me during all this, this re-entry. He, he led me to what I want to just say two goes of re-entry and one stay of re-entry. I'll explain it to you. The first one is actually found in the story in John chapter 20 when Mary Magdalene had went to the uh, garden, she went to the tomb rather, and I, I kind of want to read more than I've, I've given Derek for you on the screen, so maybe I'll do a little bit of both, but, but, but Mary goes on the first day of the week, and she sees the stone rolled away, and she couldn't believe it. And let me just read some of it. And she, she went with spices because she was going to anoint the body of Jesus. 
and uh, she found that it was actually not only moved away, but it was empty. And she couldn't find the Lord's body in any way. The Bible says if you go down to verse 15, so it was that uh, while they conversed, uh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm in the wrong chapter, okay? That's what happens when you, when you depend on a faulty bookmarker, all right? Let me, let me go back to John 20, okay? Because I'm thinking about what's going to happen with this next stay, and I'm not to go. So, so in the 15th chapter, uh, the 20th chapter, it's gone from microphones to me, all right? I can't blame this on technology, okay? I'm owning this myself. But you prayed for me a while ago, didn't you? Yes, you did. I heard you. So Mary goes to the tomb, and she doesn't find Jesus. She is uh, upset about it. And then verse 15 says, Jesus actually says to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she thought he might be the gardener. So she said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, that is to say, Rabbani, which is to say, teacher. And Jesus said to her, verse 17, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. And here's your word. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, and to my God, and your God. All right? What was the word? Huh? Go. All right. The word was go. So, you know when you're watching a movie, and it says 24 hours ago, or something like that, or three days ago, or three months? All right. Before this... Hours, possibly, at least two hours, probably, before this, Mary herself had went to the tomb. She didn't see anybody. She ran. She saw it was open and empty. She ran and told Peter and John, and Peter and John came. And John always wants to identify himself as that disciple that Jesus loved, but we're reading in the book of John, so go figure. So he said that disciple that Jesus loved, and Peter went, and they didn't see anything, and I'm kind of bunching it together a little bit. And they saw, you know, the stone rolled away when they went in, and then over to the side, you know, they saw the napkin nicely folded that was around his head. And then they left. They went back. But something that has just really struck a chord in my spirit and in my soul is that Mary stood outside of the tomb and she just, verse 11 says, and she just wept. They came and looked, but they went back home. She came and looked and she just stayed there, weeping and so Jesus, after she talks to two angels that apparently were not there when Peter and John were there, and I'm, I'm going to just jump ahead for a minute. There is something to be said about not being satisfied and dwelling. You want me to give you a recent example? About two weeks ago at this altar, at the end of service. Does anybody besides me remember that? You remember dwelling, not just coming and looking and leaving like the disciples, two disciples did. They came and looked and left. She came and looked and she wept. She just stayed there and wept. She spent time. That's what she wanted to see. And so the angel said, he's not here. And then all of a sudden she turns around and Jesus says, Mary, the scripture that we read and up until this time, Mary 
had been lost in the sense that she was lonely. Mary didn't know what to do because she was used to traveling with Jesus. She was used to worshiping at his feet, the Bible says. She just had a very close relationship. Her heart was broken. She wanted to believe everything he said. She was part of miracle after miracle. She watched these things take place. But it was almost more than her heart could bear, folks. And then Jesus comes to where she is. And he says, Mary. And Mary wants to jump right back into where she left off at. And Jesus says, no. This is not the time for that. Because Mary had left doing ministry with Jesus. She left and kind of got out of her role. And she was just in an ongoing, so it seems, this, this thing of just grieving and missing Jesus. And just really not knowing what to do. So she kind of just come to a standstill. And Jesus said this. He said, Mary, this is the point right now. Don't worry about touching me. This is what you need to hear me. This is where you need to re-enter where you left off at, and you need to go. You need to forget about the fact that there were nails in my hands. They're not in my hands anymore. You need to forget about the fact that there are bloody, bloody, gory stripes on my back. They're all closed, yet visible and they mean healing. You need to forget about the crown of thorns that we talked about. You need to get your mind off of the fact that there was a spike between both of my feet. You need to get back into ministry, into my case, into my cause. This is your point of reentry, Mary. Go. Now, I need to stop and say this. Many of us. Throughout our Christian walk, for one reason or another, have had heavy hearts, or we have had comfortable hearts, we have had discontented hearts, we've had upset hearts, and the Lord says, I am about to return, and you need to get over all of the hurt, all of the spikes, all of the wounds, all of the stripes. All of the thorns, you, all of the insults, you need to move on past that now. This is your point of reentry, and I need you to go and tell somebody about me. That's what he told her. It's time for you to go, and I need you to tell the disciples that I'm here. Tell my brethren. He just didn't call them by disciples. He said, tell my brethren. That I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. And the Bible says that's what Mary did. Mary came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, not just dreaming about him, wanting or hoping to see him. And I'm telling you, one day real soon, we're going to see the Lord. It ain't going to be no more of this daydreaming uh, me hoping and praying it's on Monday or Tuesday or when Rosh Hashanah begins. One day we're going to see him and know him as, as he is. We're going to be able to touch hands that were pierced aside. If Thomas could do it when he was alive, he said, Blessed are those that have not seen yet they believe. I'm telling all the believers in the house and online, one day, soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. We're not just going to sing about him, but we're going to see him. Mary saw the Lord and she went and told. So I'm telling you, if you believed on him, you took communion today because you believed on That's as good as seeing him. You may not have seen him with your eyes like her yet, but I'm telling you, this is your point of re-entry. It's time to get up and get out, and you need to do what we sing about at Easter. You need to go and tell somebody, he lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me, and he talks with me. 
all along the way. He lives. Praise his name. He lives. This is your point of reentry. Then there was over in Luke's gospel. That was one of the goes. But then there was a, a moment, a, a stay of reentry. Jesus had already again risen from the grave. And the Bible says that there were two men walking to Emmaus. And as they began to walk, Jesus came onto the scene with them and started walking with them. And Jesus kind of just played dumb, not in a disrespectful way of saying that. But Jesus just kind of said, what are y'all worried about? And they said, are you a foreigner? You, you, you don't know what's took place in the past couple of days here? And they began to tell him all these things. And the Bible says this. He began to, now he started off. By saying, verse 25, I'll just read it for you. He said, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. That's your word there. Believe, church, that's the key. Believe. In all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And here you go for people that say that, that, that I'm just going to use Jesus or, 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 or the word of God itself. When people say, well, it's just a New Testament thing. No, it's not. So this is something you can remember even if you feel like you don't know much or anything about the Bible. And beginning at Moses. By the way, Moses wrote, the, they call it the Pentateuch. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. The Bible says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets... He, Jesus, expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So the king that I'm talking about, the savior of the world I'm talking about, he's from cover to cover, friend. This is not just a New Testament thing. He said he began to lay it all out, beginning from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. He told them where he was all throughout the pages. You can find Jesus somewhere in the Bible if you'll pick it up and look at it. You can do it. He's in there. And he began to tell them everything about himself. And then the Bible says it was getting late. And in verse 29, after he would have went a little farther with them, it was so late. The Bible says they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. You know what the word constrained means there? It means pretty much physically compel him to stay there. Almost like jerking him by, it's late, look, you've been preaching to us. You've been telling it. They didn't even know it was Jesus yet. But because the word does that to people, when you give people the real word, not this watered down mess people are doing because they're scared of society and they're scared of people leaving or talking about them and they want to be politically correct. If you give people the truth that sets them free, then people's going to want more. And that's what they did. He started at Moses and went through the Bible. And the Bible says they compelled. They got him by the arm said, you got to stay with us tonight. We want more of this stuff right here. I'm telling you, the word is it's just very, very, very addictive if you get your face into it. Hallelujah. So the Bible says they constrained him or they invited him into his house and they enjoyed and had a meal with him. And so when they did that and Jesus responded by 
staying and eating and breaking bread. I'm about to get to it. Hold tight. Breaking bread. The Bible says that at the moment, because Jesus said they think enough of me to invite me in their house. They think enough of me to cut the TV off, to cut the God-forsaken phone off, the tablet off, to unplug the doorbell at the house. And they just want to sit here and talk with me because I've given them the word. I hadn't healed them. I hadn't turned water into wine. I hadn't fed them with fish. Uh, I hadn't even let manna from They just wanted more of what I've been giving them. So I'm coming to their house. I'm sitting at their table. And this is what the Bible says he did. Then he broke the bread. And when he broke the bread, their eyes were opened. And they saw that this just wasn't a smart man, just a scholar. But this was the one, and their hearts bubbled. And it, their, their hearts was bubbling and overflowing because they had been. And this is what Jesus had told them in, in, in a nutshell. He said, look. I'm about, to, I'm about to break the bread and open your eyes, and this is where you're going to re-enter. You're going to quit talking about what happened the past three days to just any old stranger that comes by. But you're going to be different because I'm going to let you see that I'm actually a Savior that's not just hanging on a cross or walking out of a grave anymore, but I'm actually a Savior now that I'm a personal God. I'll come to your house. I'll walk down the dirt road with you. I'll sit at your table. I'll eat with you. I'll give you of myself. I'll give you my word. I'm that kind of God, and I won't never leave you nor forsake you. He said, this is your re-entry point where you can actually taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen, church. Ain't he good? Ain't he good? Ain't he good? He's good. Then there was another time all of this is about resurrection. He told Mary to go. And because they decided to let Jesus stay with them, that's where their reentry point was. And before I go on to this, can I just tell all of you that if you'd let Jesus in the house, it'd change your life. If you'd let Jesus sit at the table, cut everything off. If you'd let him in, this is a good service. This service right here is a good service for you to reenter the orbit of spending time with Jesus, letting Jesus in the house. You've let everything else. God knows you've let the lying news. You've let the filthy entertainment industry. You've let, you, you've let all kind of print stuff come in your house. You've hung stuff that don't glorify God in your house. I ain't been to your house. I just know what the Holy Ghost says. Listen to me. I'm telling you, we've done everything with the home we live in. It's time to walk with Jesus and open the door. He says, behold, Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in and I will sup with him. I'll have fellowship with him. It ain't a matter of you qualifying to get God to come visit you. I'm telling you, it's already been qualified at Calvary. He wants you. He don't want just your heart. He wants your house. He wants your table. He wants your phone. He wants your mind. He wants your TV. He wants your computer. He wants what you read. Everything you do, he wants that. Let him in your house. This is a time to shake things up at home in a good way. Let him re-enter your house, church. Then the devil will say, well, I'm going to have to go on to the next door neighbor because they got this one locked down with Jesus sitting at the table. Let him in. Let him in. Let him in the house. Hallelujah. Let the man in the house. Hallelujah. Re-enter. Re-enter today. When you go home, hallelujah. Let him in today. 
I'll watch two or three more church services when I leave. Why? Am I, am I addicted? Yeah, I'm addicted on him. I want him in. I want him in the kitchen. I want him in the living room. I want him in the washroom. I want him in the bedroom. I want him in the pantry. I want him in my house. I'm going to let it roll. If it ain't nothing but me playing scripture reading, I want Jesus in my house. Re-enter. Let him in. Your youngins might start acting different. They got their ooh-ah-goo-ah going on, and that's what's the spirit that's in the house. And it might be parents, you know. Worst thing in the world today is not teenagers. It's just parents that's try, still trying to be a teenager. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> and I'm going to just make an announcement. Let it fall where it falls. You're not 16 anymore, honey. Buddy, you're not 17 anymore. Quit it. Your own personal Snapchat and Facebook junk don't lie. You want people to ooh and ah over you so bad that you just put anything out there about you. That's why a selfie is called a selfie. You know who a selfie is all about? When somebody takes a selfie, you know who that photograph is a picture of? Themselves. You know, I, about every six months, I, I walk on that landmine, don't I, church? And for about... 24 hours, nobody will put a selfie on there. But wait till Tuesday. I had a rough night last night. And what you don't know is the way the public feels that hypocritically likes your stuff. In their eyes, you look like you have a rough night every night. Don't matter what you think your selfie looks like. And it's time, it's time, that kind of vain attitude and spirit is what's just floating through the air in your house. It's time to re-enter the scene and let Jesus in. All right? Let Jesus in the house. You let all kind of things play that don't honor God. And then you wonder why you have bad dreams at night. I'm, I'm, I'm walking all over bad glass right now, and I'm barefoot, and I ain't a church. I wish, you could, I, I, I wish I could give everybody 15 seconds apiece to stand here and look at everybody and say that same thing. It ain't a good thing, but it's a true thing. So let Jesus in the house today and watch what happens in your house today. In the 24th chapter, verse 48 and 49... Mary had gone and given the disciples the message. You know, the ones that left and the rest of them. You know why she had to go give them the message in the location they were? And you know how she knew where they were? Because they've been hiding ever since, ever since crucifixion. Jesus said, y'all going to scatter. You're going to leave. You're going to abandon me. And ever since he was crucified, that's what they did. They all just stayed. In a little private house, in a little hideout, hiding, hiding, hiding. So she said, the Lord's risen. I've seen him. And so verse 19 of that same chapter, it just says that when uh, she went in uh, to that place, and I'm reading the wrong scripture again. Y'all tell me to turn the page. Say, turn the page. Thank you. All right. The wrong thing. That is the right page. Okay. She went in and told them. And then they went and did what Jesus would tell them to do. And this is what Jesus did. In fact, Derek, I'm sorry, but I'm going to read a, a few other verses before I get to verse 48 and 49. When 
he, I'm, I'm going to start at verse 40 for anybody that wonders. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. He appeared in the room, and he had asked them, he said, why are y'all troubled? She's done told you I'm a lot. Why are y'all troubled? Why does doubts arise in your heart? He said, behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. That's why if you wonder, we're going to be a spirit when we get to heaven. We're going to have a glorified body. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they did not, they did not believe because of joy, and they marveled and they said to him, Do y'all have any food here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. See, all of you people that insist on eating everything fried. Broiled. Baked, smoked, steamed, ain't near as bad on the temple as something broiled. Do I have any fellow healthy broiled people in here? Lord have mercy. <laughs> Son, good night. That was a big brick wall right there. Go get them greasy pork chops. That's all I can tell you. Amen. And then a call and ask the church for prayer because your blood pressure is 900 over 70. All right. Okay, we got there. We got to get, we got to get away from there, amen? Broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it in their midst. And then he said to them, These are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law. See, everything had a purpose. And the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened, see, even right there. I got to go back to that real quick. He even admitted there things about him are in the book of Psalms, okay? Prophecy about the Lord. It's all through the Bible, folks. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Here's a key verse. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. When Jesus entered the room where they were sitting... The Bible said, they were full of fear. Go back and read chapter 24 when you get home. They were full of fear. But the Bible says in the same verse, he was full of peace. Behold, I give you peace. So see, when you let Jesus into your house, into your room, you're full of fear. But he's full of peace. He said, I am your peace. And Jesus said this, I, from this point on, it's not about running scared and hiding from the Roman soldiers and uh, the Sanhedrin. This is what you are to do. You are to go. You're my witnesses. You've seen all this. You watched me before you ran. You watched me on the cross. You know that I came out of the grave. You are witnesses, and this has to be told to all the nations. So, men, it's time to re-enter the scene again, and it's time for you to go because we got a lot of work we got to do. So a lot of people in here, a lot of people in the world, through one avenue or another, you have been defined by fear. Fear of something. Fear, like the disciples running, or grief like Mary, something has had you incarcerated. But it's time for you to get your belongings. Or you just leave them all there. Say, I don't even need that. I'm walking out in the newness of Christ. I'm walking out in the power of the Holy Ghost. Fill me, Holy Ghost, today. I'm about to face the world, and I'm going to go. And I'm going to give them the new. You need to walk out of that prison. You need to let yesterday be yesterday. And you need to reenter the world on Monday the 3rd of October. And say, look, 
Jesus is coming back, and he could come today, and he loves you, and he paid a price so you could escape. And I'm just here to tell you I'm a witness that he can give you peace. I'm a witness he will sit at your table. I'm a witness he will give you what you need when you need it. I'm a witness he's a faithful, long-suffering God. I'm a witness to these things, and I'm here as long as I'm here to let you and the whole world know it's time for you to re-enter church maybe you don't need to re-enter in witnessing maybe you say well I tell people I even give out them where the master tracks all the all the time but maybe you need to re-enter in prayer maybe you don't pray Maybe you, maybe you don't re-enter in what goes on in your house. And folks, I am telling you, you've got to quit underestimating spiritual wickedness in high places. I do not glorify Satan, but I do not minimize that he has a one-track mind. That's to kill you, to steal from you, and to destroy you. And he's got demons, like I told you the other day. He's got demons fully invested in taking you out, taking you down, and distracting you every second you breathe. He works in your home. He works on your job. He works at school. He works with people you think you can trust. He works with people that you do business with. He works in all kinds of places because he can. The whole world, he told you, has been given to me, and I do what I want to with it. You've got to quit underestimating him. If it comes out of TV, and it's not declaring Jesus Christ is the only way, and it's not about money or planes, or unless it's talking about Jesus, ultimately you can trace it back to the devil. I just had a conversation with Reggie this morning. Everything, everything in this world, world if you go back far enough it is the scripture the Lord said he said that the root of all evil is money the love of money is the root of all evil I need to clarify that the love of money is the root of all now people can say well I got a different version that didn't say all your version's wrong when God says all that means that all things can be lured and maneuvered and bought and tempted through the means of money, and you've got to watch out for it. I, I, I tell you what, would you go ahead and stand? I was going to wait, but you can, you can stand. I'm, that's kind of mixed signals right there. Maybe you didn't have a problem reading, re-entering, but folks, the trumpet's about to sound, and it's time for this whole church right here. This is your point of reentry today. In worship, this is your point of reentry in reading, in serving, in fasting, in telling I'm a witness of these things. And I, I, I've prayed about whether even to say this. And I don't, want, I don't want to get your mind off of everything that's been said today. But I got to say this because I'm charged to. A lot of you need to re-enter on the scene of giving right now. I don't know of a better way to say it. Other than pastor appreciation, this is the second most uncomfortable thing for me. And I don't care if anybody believes it or you go home and discuss it with a scholar. I don't care. We do not waste money at multitudes. But if the, if the trumpet sounds today, we hadn't left any in the bank neither. You, you can kind of turn into a Christian economist right quick if you want to but church there's enough people that here to support this church but people hadn't re-entered the giving scene yet 
if something don't happen this week, as a matter of fact, we're going to have to make some major adjustments. And, you know, I'm even careful about this because what will happen when you say this, even if we wasn't streaming and people take it and run, then I'm going to have to, you should have said that. You should have, you're going to have all that. But, but if you don't know, you don't know. Amen? So I'm telling you, it's time to reenter. Because what will happen if something unfortunate happens in the area of ministry? I thought you said the other week, God will provide. He will provide a way for his word to always get out. He will. I don't have to have a building. I don't even have to have a microphone to tell people about Jesus. I don't have to have a prop. I don't have to have screens. I don't have to have this stuff. I can tell people in Walmart about Jesus, and I can name you people that I've told about Jesus in Walmart and other places, and so can you. So I'm not here because one big offering ain't going to fix our problem. We've got a spirit of unfaithfulness. And what I was saying a while ago is what will happen, because people hadn't re-entered that part yet, the very people that rob God on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis will go out and say, that's bad about the church, ain't it? No, it ain't bad about the church. It's bad about some people in the church that were disobedient to the Word of God and unfaithful to God. I didn't expect one amen on that, by the way. And just for people that are visiting or people that don't know, and for the people that need to be told for 1,700,000 times, God set His program up on tithing and free will giving. A tithing is a tenth. I'm not getting into what's in the Old Testament. New Testament. I done told you Jesus, 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 Jesus is our standard and Jesus is from Moses to Revelation. He's through the whole Bible. So don't, don't be telling me about a 10% thing. I am so I am so tired of that. In fact, if you only give 10% to the Lord, then you ain't give anything to the Lord because a tenth is mine, he said. So it's like me giving you a piece of candy and you gave me that piece of candy back. And I didn't want to say this at the end. I didn't want to say it at the beginning. I didn't want to say it at all. But I didn't want to go home and get about halfway down the road here and then start crying because the Holy Ghost is doing or the devil hit me. You're disobedient again. See, all these kind of things. So I'm just telling you. I'm, I know this. I'm through going to bed. I'm, I'm saying I, I'm through going to bed trying to think about what to do and all that. I, I, I'm really tired of, I don't want to say worrying about it. But there's a price to pay in every way imaginable. When people refuse to re-enter. Not, not just in a monetary way. If you don't allow Jesus into your home, I guarantee you the devil's already in the recliner before you get home from work. It's just a fact, folks. So I want to pray because everybody, and by the way, I just want to say this. We've often said, what, what, what if God adjusted your salary or your income to what your giving was. Oh, you only want to make $200 a week? Okay. I'm not being funny, and I'm not talking about an amount. I'm just saying, but sometimes people don't understand. And then it's a domino effect. It, it affects livelihoods of people that, that work and don't get paid for a week or weeks or whatever. Man, I wouldn't have never said that. Well, and you probably would have thrown your hands up and quit long before now too. Amen, church? So this is the way, I hate feeling the way I feel right now. I really do because I know where everybody's mind is. But I, I, I hate, I hate where I know we don't have to be. Not just in a financial way, but we should have Scotland County pretty much won by now, church.
Amen. Amen. He told us over in uh, 106 John's Road that he was giving us the city. Do you remember that, Barbara? And anybody else that was here back yonder? Okay. By now, we should have this community evangelized. And we've done a lot and are going to do a lot. But we've got to understand the day and the hour we are living in. And it's time to re-enter, okay? Now we're going to pray. And everybody in here, if you will, I want you to bow your head where you are. Because God can talk to you in a way I can't talk to you. He knows what he wants to do if he's not sitting at your table. God knows what area he wants to see you re-entering. I don't know this, folks. But God does. It's time to learn from Mary's example. The men on the Emmaus Road, the disciples, it's time to go. It's time to invite Jesus in. Let things change. And Father God, any person here that has not allowed you into their heart, he said again for the second time today, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This altar is open for the person that has not asked Jesus to come into their heart. And you don't want to leave church today without taking care of the most important business. I want you to come. Because if you don't know Jesus, you won't make it to heaven. And you can get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life today. If you're online, the only thing you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. All of that during communion, I felt convicted because you did that for me too. Or I didn't realize you did all that for me. Would you cleanse me and wash me and make me whiter than snow? I turn from the way I live. I'm ready to walk out of this prison that I've been in. I'm ready to re-enter life because you said in John's gospel that you give life and you give it more abundantly. So I haven't been in a physical prison, but I've been in a mental prison. I've been in a prison in my mind or in my body, and I'm ready to walk out of that. The Bible says that God will give you, hallelujah, through Jesus, he will give you abundant life. So today, Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my will. I give you... I give you everything about me, and I will live for you, not scared or tucked away crying, but I'll live with you at my table every day. The Bible says he's faithful and he's just. And God and I pray today that there would be, Lord, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Father, to fill every vessel in this room that's online, God, to have that desire and to have that that will, Lord, to see that this is the final hour we're living in, Lord. So, God, have your way today. Have your way today, Lord. I pray you would be with the people. I pray, God, that you would let our words be acceptable. Our thoughts, God, let every one of them be filtered through the Word. And everything you do, Father, we'll give you praise. In the name of Jesus and before anybody...